May 19, 2019, it's Watt from Pedro Show.
Waffer Pedro Show. I will see Brother Matt Thursday. Right now I'm in my pad, but not man alone mode because those engineers in uh, Estonia with their Skype software. I got with me uh, Daniela DiPicciato. Yep. Okay. <laughs> you know, the double C's. Even though I play with two Italian guys, I'm always fucking it up. So great. I got it right. And she's, uh, uh, yeah, talking to me from Berlin. So so welcome yes. aboard, Daniela. Uh, Excuse me? Welcome aboard. The oh, thank Pedro you. Show. We started the show off with John Coltrane. I always start the show off with John Coltrane. In fact, nice. last week was uh, me and Brother Matt, uh, 18 years doing this show. They're all archived, TWFPS.com. Uh, I'm a dreamer, aren't we all, John Coltrane? And then we heard Paraspera ad Astra, Daniela Di Picciotto. Uh, Daniela, what's your, what's your earliest music memory? My earliest music memory is The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, the soundtrack of Ennio Morricone. Okay, like that uh, whistling trumpet. Exactly. Yeah. And, and was it, uh, this was in your parents' pad? Yes, that's what my that was the first record my father gave me when I think I was six. In what town? Um, that must have been Washington D.C. Okay, and uh, he was military, right? Yeah, yeah. My was pop was chief in the navy, so yeah, he probably moved around a bunch. Uh, was your mom and pop or anybody in your family players? Not really, no, no. Well, listeners, Actually not so in the house, there's not really instruments. No, I mean, we had a piano. My mother liked to try playing piano once in a while, but nobody really did any music. Uh, she didn't, uh, or you weren't curious to, like, try it or take lessons or something? Oh, yeah, I did. I started taking piano lessons when I was uh, five, and I started playing violin when I was nine and a half. I got lessons, so okay. I actually was the only one that was doing music. But So you played that piano in the pad. How, how was your experience with the with the piano teacher, because I've, on this show we've had <laughs> huge variety of experiences with piano <laughs> teachers, all the way from great to like, made me run away from music kind of thing. <laughs> well, with me it was kind of more run away from music with the piano <laughs> and the violin. Yeah, because I had really strict teachers. My violin teacher used to hit me with the violin bow on the fingers and, and tell me, you know, uh, do it again and again, and I was scared. I was scared. I was really terrified of her. Yeah. My piano teacher was a little nicer, but he was pretty strict too. So both uh, of them. You did the piano first, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and what made you want to go to? Was it something in school? Were you in the school bands? Um. Yeah. Like the I orchestra. Just like music. I just like music from the start, and they. I I sang a lot in the choir, school choirs. I okay. was always like yeah. soprano. <laughs> yeah. Sure. 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 Because uh, I always ask about school because a lot of schools over here, they've cut the music programs. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's why Flea opened up his uh, Silver Lake Conservatory of Music. He went back to Fairfax High where he played trumpet. They, di they didn't have any music program. Wow. So I ask about this. You know, it's different everywhere. But it's got their own journey. But, but you got to uh, do it in school with uh, choir and violin. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, like, you were in the orchestra? The... Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was in the orchestra with the violin, and I sang in the choir. I was doing music all the time in school. That was be probably, terrible. You probably didn't do marching bands. No, I didn't. Because <laughs> I remember a lot of violins in the marching band. <laughs> no. 
Although there's some schools over here because they got like kind of mariachi versions, and there are violins. Yeah. Believe it in the marching bands. Yeah, yeah, I've seen them at the Lunar Parade in Chinatown. It's a trip. I mean, music's music, right? Whatever it takes. Exactly. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Now, uh, I was actually doing more classical music back then, and sure, that sure. kind of, yeah, wasn't that as much fun as I had hoped it would be. No, but they, they taught you how to read and. Yeah. You know, and harmonies and stuff like that. Well, but what about on your own, like after school with uh, friends in the bath, uh, basement or the garage or bedroom? Did you do those kind of bands? Well, I was always kind of a loner. So I would sit at the piano for hours singing on the top of my voice, reading, you know, reading music and sure. playing all kinds of different songs and stuff, trying to compose a little bit. So I was I was pretty much on my own a lot, and I I really spent it a lot with music. Okay, okay. So, so it was a woman alone on the piano, not so much woman alone on the violin. Yeah, no, on the piano more. Yeah, more on the piano. Look, I want to play this song here, Survivors. <laughs> That's, that sounds right. like you were. <laughs> okay. Sometimes, when I'm sitting alone in the subway. Or in the cafeteria Or on a plane Watching people I have to think of the fact That we live on a planet Which is racing through A mysterious black universe Of which we know nothing Except that it is endless and that we are a mere tiny particle lost in this vast realm hurtling around a fireball and yet we do our chores we feed our cats Try to survive taxes, politicians, and talk shows, pointedly ignoring the fear that hovers over our heads, balancing the sky and the heavens with nothing to hold on to except each other. And in spite of this impossible situation, we believe in justice, in honesty, and decency, and that there will be a happy end. And I feel touched by the fact that we are so weak and yet so tenacious, so ignorant and yet so hopeful that we refuse to give up or in. And I look around and see the lined faces 
The gray hair, the heavy bags, the worn out shoes, and am amazed that the magical spark of survival is always there, willing to overcome, to stubbornly resist all odds. And I feel a wave of awe sweep away my doubts and worries. And I feel a joy so strong that I suddenly believe there could be a happy end in spite of it all.
Watch for Pedro Show. That's Survivor. That's Danielle D. Danielle D. Pichiota. You're a little echo. Sometimes Skype does that. Uh huh. Um, yeah, you'll get like a little reflection, duplex. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's usually from Bad Connect. <laughs> then we had the Rinkland Brothers, which is uh, Joe Dean and George Hurley. Got to play with them a couple weeks ago and doing a cover can vitamin C. Georgie's version of Jackie. All right. Guy by Voices after that was Zeno Pariah. I think Bob is working on his 104th album. Or something. Mm. Guy, man, he can write songs. Mm. Believe me. And then I found mm. something. Um, I think it's the first recording Cat Beefheart did with Frank Zappa. And Frank's uh, brother Bobby, too, was on guitar. Late 50s called Lost in the Whirlpool. I think it's about falling in the toilet, swimming around or something. Uh, Chris Chappelle's Distortion Pedal after that, Generation Z, Safe Word with Relapse, Lord, HYS, <coughs> but it doesn't have dots, so maybe it ain't an acronym, maybe it's HIS, the first part of Hysteria, maybe, I don't know. Mike uh, Regnetta, he probably would know, Puzzle Pieces 5 and 6, Arabia, so, Daria. Out of Milano with uh, Dubai, and finally Dancing in the Rain. Daniela Di Uh Did you do music after school, uh, like college? I mean, that kind of school. <laughs> um, no. Well, I mean, I did in a way. I, that's when I kind of moved to Germany, and um, I was playing violin too a little bit. But it got less because the teachers really turned me off. So I had a I had a phase until I moved to Berlin for, of about four years where I just completely stopped doing music because I didn't I didn't want to do any more of the classical stuff and I didn't know how to get into the other stuff. Right. And then when I came to Berlin, everything started moving really fast. Like you started playing with people, like that stuff I was asking about in high school and junior high. You started playing with people, right? Artists. Uh... Exactly. Types and not so much uh, from academia, maybe more uh, raw, more street. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like my first, the first band I was in was a crossover hip hop rock band called Space Cowboys. Mm -hmm. And I started singing there and playing keyboards. Ah, so you used your stuff from choir. Yep. Okay. And start singing in Berlin. And so what time are we talking? Period. Curious. Well, when I moved to Berlin in 87. Okay, okay, so it's still the Kreuzberg thing. Yes, and, absolutely. Uh, yeah, SO36 was the first place I played uh, there with Black Flag and Minuteman in the uh, early 80s. Nice. In, in February. <laughs> oh, <laughs> cold. <laughs> yeah, Kelt, Sir Kelt. <laughs> it was Especially cold. for living in California all this time. <laughs> so oh, yeah. Cal, yeah, it was like, but you know, it was our first time ever to Europe, so it was... And especially that place, because it was like an island at that time. And it was <laughs> quite an experience. Yeah. In those, in those days, when you did a Europe tour, half the gigs were in this place called West Germany. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if people don't know that, it was a lot different. It was, uh, I don't know, they had a lot of these teen centers that were probably funded from money over here. And uh, you play at 7.30, usually no opening bands. Berlin was much different, though. Berlin stayed open late. It was just much different than the rest of this West Germany place. It was called West Berlin. By the right. way, there's, I, I finally played that because I hadn't played West Berlin in a long time since kind of those <laughs> days, you know, because everything moved to the east where it was Morikano. 
So, um, and I and, and I know where did I play there? After SO36, it was um, it was a lady running the gig. She had a place called Loft. Oh yeah, yeah. Yes. God, what was her name? Bonnie or not? My um, memory sometimes, but I did a lot of gigs for her. And, what did uh, I do? Loft was right there in, in that kind of area too. Yeah. Uh, and Monica. Her name was Monica During. That's her name, right? Monica. Her name was yeah. Monica. She's still around. She's, she's still like ninety now. Right. <laughs> she's like eighty. Yeah, she's amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's an inspiration, bitchin'. Yeah, she was always so good uh, to us, and oh man, and uh, I'll, I'll tell you, Berliners, it was a very exciting time. I can imagine. What what, what attracted you to to go there? Well, it was actually uh, by accident. I went to visit a friend. Um, and she was living in this huge factory loft and there were like, it was huge. It was like 600 square feet, like quadrat meter. And it cost 30, 30 marks a month, which is about $15. And there were, um, a couple of musicians, Nick Cave's keyboard player was playing there back then. Um, the former keyboard player, Roland Wolf. And I went oh, and visited them and it was like heaven. I was like, wow. Cause I was coming from New York and New York in the eighties was pretty, you know, dangerous and, um, there in Berlin, it was really cheap. It wasn't dangerous. And they said, you want, you want to stay? You can, you can sleep in our, um, there's a little cupboard over the bathroom where they would store their suitcases. And they said, you can sleep there. And I was like, okay, I'm staying. <laughs> <laughs> so I stay. Boy, boy, oh boy. A little bit cold right in the winter time. Sometimes in Berlin, oh, yeah. it seems the sun likes to stay away a little bit in the winter. Oh yeah, <laughs> and, uh, but but it is amazing. I mean, uh, especially collect it as a magnet for people, creative people. Kind of like the New York thing. You're right. You're right. Uh, yeah. In those days, of course, things changed with the Susam and you know everything coming together, and maybe the rent's not that cheap. <laughs> nope. Oh no, it's going really. It's going up. Yeah, yeah, in fact, they're saying it's going to become the most expensive uh, city in Germany in the next 10 years. The rents are flying upwards really fast. It's, it's and even not in good. The East part. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's not as bad yeah. as New York yet, and probably not as bad as LA either, but it's it's slowly getting there. There's parts, Change. yeah, like downtown and Pasadena. I mean, I could pay 1000 a month for a two bedroom apartment in the, in the harbor, but I'm like 28 miles south of those people. Right. If you want to be with other young people, <laughs> not longshoremen. <Right. laughs> yeah. yeah, you're going to be paying right. like Manhattan prices. It's crazy about this, and and the city too. Us, uh, uh, San Francisco. Oh my God. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> you're thinking, you know, parts of these pads are kind of creative things too, and if especially younger people that are creative, it's hard for them to come to town with a big bundle of <coughs> geld. Right. <laughs> And so, I mean, it's not easy for, for older musicians either. It's absolutely. Not easy for I was going to say that. <laughs> yeah. The one good thing about New York City was some of those pads had the rent control, right? Right. And they could do that. They Same could, here. Yeah. And they can kind of Same age thing. with the neighborhood. Uh, right. With this gentrified thing, it's like people getting shoved out. <coughs> so, uh, were these the Cowboys? Uh, Space Cowboys. Space Cowboys. Do you remember the first gig with them? Yes. Um, it was in this really small venue in, um, there's like a park called Kreuzberg Park. And in that park, there's like a small venue that has a little children's zoo with like goats and, 
and hens and chickens and stuff like that. And um, they asked me to, to play on one song. They wanted to check me out. And all I had to do was scream, there's life on Mars really loudly. And I did, and it was really great. And so they said after that, you're, you were good at that. Let's, you're, you're the singer now. <laughs> With the goats there and all that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah trippy. <laughs> very, very trippy. That's pretty crazy. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, you got to start somewhere, right? Uh, exactly. And, and then uh, you guys practice in that giant room? Um, yeah, but I mean, you know, there's a lot of rehearsal spaces in Berlin and back then there were even more. So we got like a, another rehearsal space and, and rehearsed there. And I would like, you know, uh, rehearse all the time with them. So, yeah. That was a heavy period for the birthday party guys, right? What was it? The Zoo Bahnhof? Yeah. A lot of dope and shit, right? Yeah. Not too healthy yeah, yeah. times. <laughs> yeah. Not yeah. too healthy times. But fuck, somehow... Uh, Nick, you know, I saw him a couple of years ago with a buddy of mine, Larry's playing with him now, who's lived in Berlin a long He's a cat from Knoxville, but he maybe 10 years All right, years I know ago. Larry. You Larry know Larry? Larry. He yeah, did sure. the last uh, couple of years with the Stooges because Scotty, you know, got yeah, sick. And, exactly. And so I got to, yeah, Larry's an incredible guy. He's right now uh, with uh, Dave Ketchin in uh, Joshua Tree. Oh, really? With, yeah, um, I think he's going to go up. He's part of this this Red Room thing that does David Lynch music orchestra. Oh, oh. So he's going to do that up in the city, and then he's going to come down here for some sessions. But, you know, he's been living in Oslo, but he's he's also been spending a lot of time back in Berlin. And uh, he's got a buddy. Uh, yeah, I just I go, uh, yeah. Who's uh, the candy bomber at uh, Tempelhof? Exactly. Ingo. Ingo, that's his name. The bass man exactly. with all this old righteous stuff yeah have you been there larry took me oh wow yeah we were playing i think spandau or some shit the stooges was like the last year of doing gigs and he took me there to meet him and see all the old stuff and incredible nice. incredible one day i want to record there if i get the shot a chance at it uh what, what, did you get to uh, record with the space cowboys yeah we recorded um an EP and an album called Locked and Loaded. And then we had the typical kind of story that an English um, MCA wanted to sign us, and then they flew us into England, and we signed up and everything, and the A&R guy disappeared, and then we were kind of loaded with a lot of debts, and nobody would take us, so the band kind of fell apart in 95. <laughs> oh, man. Now, was, yeah. that, was that your first kind of recording? Yes, that was the first time. Wow, and so you were, you're going to take the, the big major label ride right off the bat. Exactly. And then you got they to find <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. So we had a bit of a bad luck streak there, and yeah, so that was that. <laughs> so, so, so what, I mean, it knocked you down, but what would you do after that? Um, well, I just started looking for different people to do music with. I started trying to record my own solo album. I did like off. I did songs with De Hout. Do you know De Hout? Sure, sure, man. Yeah. And some of those guys I, play with Nick. I think the the drummer exactly. man, right? Yeah, exactly. He's really good. Yeah, yeah good were, guys. Uh, yeah, no, Abvarts. I remember bands. Mufti, I think, was in that. Some of these guys who went on to Einstein Zander, right? Exactly. Yeah. They kind of, yeah, exactly. So, so you're up. saying after the thing in England, you went back to Berlin to try to do right. your own trip, play yeah. with, okay. Yeah. And how'd that work out? 
Um, that was okay, but I couldn't really find anybody I felt 100% comfortable with until I started recording with Alex, which was like in 2001. So I had a couple of years where I was kind of trying out all kinds of different things and also doing a lot of art at the same time because I also do art. I paint a lot. And so it was kind of like a, a time where I was just trying to find the right person to do music with. And What's then it? when I, when Alex and I started doing music, that was the person I felt comfortable doing music with. Right, right. And, uh, but with Roland, he was with Eastern Zendo. Was he with them when they played in the desert here, Southern California? Roland Wolf? No, yeah. he was, he was Big Caves. Um, ah, Bad Seeds, that's right. Yeah, he was Bad Seeds, but he died in 95 of an, of a car accident. Yeah, so. yeah, now I remember. It's Conrad, yeah. the guy who just passed away. Exactly, and, and we that, were gonna. We started working on my solo album together, and then he yeah. basically died in in between that. So that was kind of like took me about a year to recover from that. Yeah, terrible. Oh, I think yeah. that, that's where Larry helped out in a way. Yeah, because <coughs> he's actually a drummer man, but he he stepped in for keyboard and that stuff, synthesizer. Yeah, yeah. Man, a lot of bad luck. Yeah, um, you know, especially with Australian musicians, uh, a couple of the guys from uh, Beast of Bourbon. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I get. You know what? I think when we uh, move into these age zones, it just maybe the just the statistic thing. Yeah, but it's rough, man. I never get used to. It. I can imagine you taking you a year. And, yeah, and some of this stuff yeah. comes up really quick. Like the oh yeah, baseman for the Dills. Totally. It was like a couple months. It just. This pancreatic cancer shit? Yeah. Terrible. Yeah. So, okay. When you when you when you came back with that God, that was in ninety five. That's almost twenty five years ago. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, but when I think about that, you know I think what I, what I think was when we were more younger, things changed quicker. I think as time has gone on, things kind of, in the music world kind of changed slower. And those yeah. days, things right away, right? There was a new thing, another thing. Now it seems yeah. things are more stretched out. Everything's crossover. That's I think that's why okay. everything's like intermingled and they're all doing like, you know, so it's somehow you don't notice change that fast. I mean, I remember like when I moved to Berlin in 87, it was more of a rock city. And then sure. in the sure. 90s, it suddenly became techno. Right, right. And then, right. you know, in the, in the 2000s, everything was crossover. It's kind of stayed crossover ever since. There's not been like a completely new music style like it did when techno started or when, you know, in the 80s. It's, it was more defined back then, I think. I agree with you. I agree with you. It's at the end of the first hour, May 19, 2019, Dishawap Pedo Show. Uh, special guest Daniela Di Picciano. <laughs> Hold tight for hour two. Uh, May nineteenth, two thousand nineteen. It's the second hour of the Watt Pedro Show.
Well, for Peter, so we started the second hour off with Daniel, Daniela Di Picciato with Et Arepure Puri. <laughs> Some Francais <laughs> there, sorry, pardon moi. And then uh, Masayuki Imanishi and Marco Serrano with number two, that's his collab, Marco Arasadilla. And the Odes, which is Ted Milton from Blurt, who's, you know, in his 70s and kicking like Cato. Skies are bruised, and then hail, Daniela Picciotto. So, you know, I'm playing stuff from your new that you you, you gave me, right? Mm-hmm. When, when did this stuff come about? For my album? Huh? For my album? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The stuff I've been playing, hail and, and uh-huh. the rain survivors. Yeah. How, how did it come about? Yeah, because uh, right, you were telling me. You come back to do this uh, after the the, the late big label roller coaster, rock and roller right. coaster ride. Then you come back, and then your solo thing is kind of, you know, a little roadblock because of yeah. uh, bad health. And then, well, I mean, I always, you know, I wanted to do my my first solo album in '96, and then Roland died, and right. I kind of said, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna wait until it's the right time. And I waited for a long time because then when I started working with Alexandra Hacke in 2001, right. um, we started just doing stuff together. And we did that for a long time. 
And at one point I was thinking like, I'd really like to actually finally do that solo album. So that was 2015. And I did my first solo album, which was called Tacoma, um, named after my birth birthplace, Tacoma. Um, Yeah. Did you go there much? Really good reactions. I was actually, I only went back once. Um, I I, I was born there, but my father was um, transferred three months later. So I never actually got to see it. And then, um, a couple of years ago, I thought I should really go back and discover my hometown. So I did go back, and I actually liked it. <laughs> you know, if you do I five tour, right? I, Interstate five is the big north south west freeway. You always go through there if you're going to play uh, between Portland and Seattle. Uh-huh. Now, I'm not saying you're going to play Tacoma, but you're going to drive through because <laughs> it's, right. it's 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 the south part of the sound. It's bigger than a bay, right? It's a huge sound. And at one point, it used to be bigger in Seattle. But uh, there's a great uh, guitar store there called Guitar Maniacs, a guy named Rick King. So <laughs> just if you go back through there, stop at Rick nice. King's Guitar Maniac. Because it's, it's a great... Okay. I don't know if you like old synthesizers and old guitars, and but he's got stuff Absolutely. like that. Oh, you yeah. know what band was from there was the Sonics. Oh, yeah, I'm, of course. I'm pretty sure. Of course. Yeah. yeah. The keyboard yeah. man still lives there. Uh, but the, <laughs> yeah, you know, so we're going to play. T- that's trippy. You said Tacoma because that's the last song we're going to play of the show. But we ain't there yet. So that was your first okay. solo record. And, and now, now right. tell me, what was the process? How did you make the tunes? Um, well, basically, when I was recording it, I was in Hudson Valley because we were doing a residency there. And um, I basically just sat in this room where there was a huge drum set and my violin and my computer and I did field recordings and I did a couple of things on the drum. I just worked with sound a lot. I like working with sound and with lyrics and then kind of go from there. Well, this place where you were doing it, was that actually where it was recorded, where it was captured? Um, part of it, not all of it, part of so, it. So yeah. you didn't really make demos, right? Not at all, yeah, no. Yeah. So these things that you demo. created, they, they ended up being the final baby, right? Exactly. Okay. Well, I don't like them. I don't like. I don't like sketches either. I either start painting immediately or start composing immediately. I don't like those things. <laughs> so, so I don't you, like demos. <laughs> no, you think there's a because when you stop that music, you went to painting, right? So, the, to, for you, they're just two different ways to do expression, right? Right. That's the way right. I see it too. I think it's really weird the way we split up, you know, visual sounds. Why, why can't yeah, they so be more I, united, you know? Anyway, yeah, I, wanna, I agree. Because, because, you know, you've got eyes and you've got ears. Sure. You, you see and hear all the time at the same time. Why should you have to split up the, you know, the, the stuff that comes out um, creati- create, with your creativity? Why does it have to be only one? So, One, one big example, movies. Exactly. Right? Okay, I want to play Grace here. Okay.
Thank you.
That's great. From Daniela Di Picciotto. After that, Spain with Spiritual Life, uh, God's House from Red Mass, and finally Pilgrim, Daniela Di Picciotto. Uh, so, when, 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 I'm curious about the titles. When do they come, last or first? Or in the middle? The titles come last. They come last. last. Definitely last. Almost everybody <laughs> I ask says that. But with Juan, yeah. he always has to have titles first because he has no focus otherwise. <laughs> oh, really? Wow. <laughs> I know. Everybody says, what the fuck's that about? But that's just the way I ended up doing it. Well, you know, I come from, uh, we were influenced by this band Wire, so we wrote these really tiny songs. So it was, you know, you had to constantly be innovating because the songs didn't take up that right. much time. So I think that's what helped Wire. me a little bit. It's just having titles. Yeah. Nice. Uh, Wire. I saw Wire play in Berlin a couple of years ago together with Einschützen and Neubauten. Wow. And, Kas and Kaspar Brutzmann, actually. Wow. The uh, oldies tour. Yeah. <laughs> Can you believe that music's considered oldies? It's incredible. Yeah. When I think oldies, I think of, you know, low-rider cars and play here right. in Duwap. Yeah. <laughs> here in town in Pedro and... Actually, our music from the 80s and 70s is like, yeah, oldies. Yeah, the perspective is is trippy. And yeah. so the, the second one, the solo record. Yes. How did it differ from the first? Um, well, actually, um, the first one was a little bit more instrumental. This one turned out to be more with more lyrics. And I, uh -huh. I kind of surprised myself because, you know, because I don't do demos I kind of just see what happens. I start working and the things come out depending on where I am and what's, you know, what's bothering me or what's what I like at the moment. And I, I started working on it and I suddenly realized that I was writing all these lyrics about what's happening in the world at the moment. And actually, I had wanted to do more of an instrumental record again, but I figured, OK, if I'm like so disturbed with what, everything that's happening, I might as well just let it roll. And I, I just did the lyrics that came out. So it became a lot more. Um, spoken wordy than the one before. And then them thematically, it's kind of like thinking out loud. Yeah, kind of like that. And uh, yeah, and uh, how's the editing thing on your CD? Do you like to second guess yourself, go back? And yeah, I mean, I I, um, I work a lot on it. I don't like do first takes with with spoken word. I work a lot on the lyrics, and uh, I mean, they could have been a lot longer. <laughs> Let's put it this way. <laughs> do, 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 do you take inspiration for somebody? Because you do have your own way of doing this. Um, well, not really. I, I just kind of do it the way it comes out. I I try not to be inspired. Um, well, I don't just, mean to copy people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't mean that. But, uh, you know, like, whoa, it's just got some wheels going or something like that. Yeah, it just kind of goes. I don't know, just just, just starts. I, I'm really picky, so I really work on it a lot until I like it, and just work and work and work until it's like, boom, that's the way I like it. That's all I can say. There was this guy yeah. who did spoken word named Joe Frank passed away a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah, he's fantastic. Okay, yeah, I was wondering if you were aware of his work. Absolutely. Man, because those spiels would... <laughs> Spiel, but, uh, not the German, but like the old uh, Yiddish, right? Yeah, um, yeah amazing. With the Germans, they always think, yeah, play or gamble or some shit. And when we say spiel, it's more like your your pitch, right? Your, 
Right. Right. Yeah. And uh, Joe Frank, his spiels, they would draw you in. They were pretty incredible. Some of those yeah. things, man, I couldn't. Like they'd be on the radio in the car, right? And you just parked in front of your pad and just listening in your fucking coche. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> listening to him. And uh, yeah, I heard he had a weird malady where he, if he didn't take a medicine every few hours, he'd be puking. He's really? always in, under the threat of puking his brains out. Oh, God. And that might have motivated maybe some of his technique or whatever is but the way he did his uh his spiel the old, you know that guy and uh William S. Burroughs he, him too he would draw you in with the the, the spiels I mean wow so yeah good Burroughs, with that stuff I and I think he was just reading out of his naked lunch shit and, uh-huh. You know, but it, it, he had the character with the voice that was pretty incredible. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're at the second, end of second hour of May 19th, 2019 edition of the Peter Show. Hold tight for hour three. May 19th, 2019, it's the third hour of Pedro Show. Uhr 
with high temperatures ranging from the lower 40s to the lower 50s. Even though winter has begun, if you do not travel safely, you may never arrive. Several days will feel more like November rather than December. The path is the goal. Then off and on, rain showers during the afternoon hours. This goal can only be achieved by undertaking the journey. Clouds with periods of rain. Blow around 40 Fahrenheit. This pathway changes and transforms you. There is no evading it. Rainfall near a quarter of an inch. Perseverance, my friend. Yes, there will be heavy storms, but sunshine as well. Every step counts. Perseverance, my friend. Showers in the evening, then partly cloudy overnight. Winds at 10 to 20 miles per hour. Chance of rain. 
Walk for Pedro Show. We start off the third hour with In Transit, Daniela DiPicciotto. Uh, this from her uh, Tacoma record. Then we heard Lisa Belladonna with Kanawha Falls, West Virginia, and then Luminous, Daniela DiPicciotto. So what about the way you recorded this new one versus the other one? Because obviously you were in a, a residency. You were in Hudson Valley, upstate New York? Um, that was Tacoma. Right. But with, with this new one, I wasn't. I was in Berlin. It was all was, Berlin. Yeah. So I recorded it? it in my studio in Berlin, basically. Does it, Do you have a name for it? Nope. It's just my little studio. My bad. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> but, I mean, I, um, Alex helped me finish it up, like clean up the sound a little bit in his studio. And his studio is called uh, Studio 65 in Berlin. Okay. And uh, would you call yourself the producer too, self-produced? Yes, absolutely. And uh, it's important to do that, right? Yeah. But Alex comes in, he came in, what, like technical help? Exactly. I mean, I basically do all my stuff on live on the program. And um, so then he takes Oh, the software, Appleton or something? Exactly. I do it all with that. And then he takes it, puts it into uh, Pro Tools and... You know, they've got a couple of better, uh, like, I don't know, reverbs or whatever, and he helps me a little bit with that. But basically, he, he just says, you know, you tell me what you like, and I'll do it. He just sees himself as the engineer because he wants it to be my sound. And, and how long did it take? Um, it took me about um, half a year. See, so we got the luxury to do that now. You know, it's not all the bad new days. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I didn't record it for half a year. I, I like I was, no, but you know, working on it and stuff because it's in your yeah. pad with your stuff. You know, exactly. it's not like you got to get up to Hollywood and get it all done in two sessions or something. Oh right, oh, like God. Minutemen had to man. Oh, oh my God! In the old days, it was so much different. They were like well, gigs. Yeah, yeah, they were kind of like exactly. gigs. Yeah, that's why it took me so long. Like in 96 when I wanted to actually do my first solo album, yeah. it was so difficult to be able to do that because, you know, you needed a studio. It was expensive. You needed a record company. You needed, you know, all that stuff. Right. So people, uh, you know, it's a mixed bag like most things human. They shouldn't get too bummed down the bad new days. What, what, what about this song, Awake? Are those Gaiota monks? Um, no, that's end? Alex. That's Alexander Hucke. Okay. Well, yeah. is, is he aware of master. these guys who sing in Tibet with the throats he's open? He's a master throat singer, yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, oh he he's actually knows. Okay. Yeah. Because I was wondering, where where's that from? Was it a sample? <laughs> or Okay. Yeah. Uh, he's I, really good at it. Well, tell me about this song, Away. Um, well, Alex and me, basically, you know, we, we became nomads in 2010. We gave up our, our house in Berlin and we decided that we wanted to kind of like widen our horizons and travel the world. And, um, that kind of influenced our music a lot. Um, we, we kind of stopped doing songs, but we started doing more stuff that was like soundscapey or filmscape score kind of stuff. Yeah. Cinematic stuff. And so, um, Awake is kind of the best example of that because it's um, it's kind of the feeling of, you know, waking up and, and kind of opening yourself to the world. So, sure. yeah. That's balls out. Let's listen. Thank you. 
It's well, like crazy. Well, for people, <laughs> Danielle just told me it snowed in Berlin last week. We're, we're talking the middle of May, people. No complaining. <laughs> no belly ache. Exactly. Especially SoCal people. I don't want to hear it. We heard Awake from Danielle DiPicciotto. And uh, love song number eight from Disuse. I think they're, they're Netherlands. And finally, Tacoma from your first uh, solo work. Where can people find you on the internet? Um, my webpage, danieldepichato.com. Okay, spell it out for people, please. D-A-N-I-E-L-L-E-D-E-P-I-C-C-I-O-T-T-O.com. Yeah, it's a great. long name. Yeah. And I'm so <laughs> glad you got your own website because that's like having your own fanzine. Yeah. And those ethics should never disappear, you know. And everybody sure. meeting up at those other places to put up flyers on those telephone poles, that's okay. But it's so good you got your own website. And, what, and now what's your next plan? So, since you're on a life tour. Well, next we're going to, um, Alexander and I are going to record another album, another, um, we're going to do another album. So in uh, July, we're going to go to Blackpool in England. Yeah. That's kind of like a ghost town. Right. Um, in the West. You know, Blackpool, right? In the West, yeah. Kind of yeah, it's amazing. Rust Belt it's like, thing, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's like has these huge old ball rooms. I think one of them is where Hendrix destroyed his guitar and, you know, Sinatra used to uh, appear there, but it all went downhill and now it's like one of the poorest areas in England, but they have amazing music places. It's just incredible. So, and it's down and out and we thought, oh, that's really inspiring. So we're going to go there and record our next album. And it's going to be under your name? Hacca de Picciotto, because the music that Alexander and I do together is called Hacca de Picciotto. Okay, yeah, last which name makes sense. It's, exactly. It's a duet, yeah, of course. Yeah, exactly. So that's going to be our third or fourth album, basically, coming out. And that's going to come out next year, then. And how do you get around? It depends. I mean, we try to take trains. We don't have a car. We're trying to be environmental, you know, environmentally conscious, so we don't have a car. We uh, take trains. If we have to, we fly. In general, it's kind of it's kind of burdensome because we have so many instruments. I play yeah. the violin. I was going to say about know, equipment. The, 30, the auto harp, the chimencha, and he plays bass, drums, and guitars. So we're like schlepping. Yeah, how do you schlep all that stuff around? <laughs> it's insane. <laughs> So maybe when you make it to Blackpool, you stay there a little while. (laughs) (laughs) Might get hernias otherwise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, I got a buddy right now who's got a double hernia. Yeah, yeah, they're having to cut him open and all this shit. God, I was reading about Jack Kerouac. You know, a hernia might have helped kill him. He got in a fight two weeks before he died. Yeah. He wrote a letter to his second wife, and he talked about, like, basically... Taping a silver dollar to his belly button to keep his intestines from flying out. Oh my God! Yeah, yeah. I know. Is that an image? <laughs> Jesus oh. Christ! <laughs> I'm not making this shit up. But look, I love what you're doing, man. And, and, and what you and Alexander are doing is is, is great to you. It's, it's a life mission. It's a journey. It's 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 a s- sally forth. Yeah, <laughs> you know? thanks. It's kind of like you know. If gentrification is going to try to make us give up, well, sure. try again because we're not. We're going to do everything to keep going no right. matter what. So, it reminds me know. of uh, the Seventh Seal. Yeah. 
Everybody kind of gets like killed. The, 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 <laughs> remember, he, uh, the old knight distracts death with the chess game to let the... Who is he let escape? Is the, the, the actors, right? Yeah. In the little wagon, right? They're, they're going to go on tour. Yeah. They're going to go work the towns. All the rest are all corrupt, and they got to go and do the fucking death dance. But those guys, they're giving them... An, he, he works it out so they get another shot. Yeah. So there's something about the vaudeville tradition, about working the towns. And you're right. If gentrification is going to try to put a stop to artistic expression, then take it to the street. Take it to the exactly. other towns. Exactly. That's what they did in the middle, middle Ages, too. You know, the musicians traveled the world. So I guess we just have to do that again. Absolute. Absolute. Uh, I, yeah. I, I want to thank you so much for being on the show. It's a huge honor for me. And I wish you guys good luck with the Blackpool recording and the fourth one. Uh, when you get it done, can I play it on my show, please? Oh, please. It would be such an honor. And thank you so much for having me. <laughs> oh, no. Of course. Right back. Right back such a pleasure. You. Okay. It's been the May 19th. 2019 edition of Watt for Pedro Show. People, keep your powder dry. <laughs>